podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. What a beautiful break that was from Derby County. And one chop cheated Manchester United's defence with absolute contempt. And a chance for Mario once more. Hello Rams fans, thanks for listening to Steve Bloomer's washing. Now while we all sit through the final international break of the season, what better time to play you some of the best bits from our Patreon bonus podcasts released since the start of this season. Now Patreon is our membership platform where you can support the podcast and in return you'll get an extra episode each month from us on all things Derby County. We've interviewed former players, commentators, members of staff at Derby, as well as looking back on some of the Rams' most memorable results in recent history in our SBW Gold series. And there's still plenty more to come this season. If you fancy becoming part of our Patreon community, where you can get free gifts for signing up and you can join our private Discord chat forum, for more bonus content and match day discussions, then head over to patreon.com forward slash Steve Bloomer's washing to sign up. That's not all either. Starting this month, we've got our first ever Patreon prize draw where existing members and anyone who joins by the end of March can win a special gift related to Derby. This month, Derby-based colleague box are giving one lucky winner a free customised box in the post containing beer, gin, savoury snacks and sweets worth over £30, which will be sent straight to their home. Perfect for a match day. For now though, here are the best bits from our Patreon pods this year. Our most recent episode was a chat with Derby's match day announcer, Matt McGibbon, the voice of Derby County, who's worked at Pride Park for nine years. And here he is talking player pronunciations. In terms of announcing team sheets and, and getting pronunciations right, I think I've seen you put on Facebook or Twitter before some com- comments about obviously preparing for that. Do you, do you make sure you, you do? Do you, do you want to make the effort to make sure you get kind of pronunciations I, right? I do, yeah. That, that's one thing I, I'm a stickler for. I, I like to get a team sheet early on. If I get a chance before the game, I look through squads to see if there's anything where I might get tripped up. Um, and I did uh, the classic one, if you remember, when Brazil played Ukraine. At Prime yes, Park. I was there for that one. Yeah, I was in the press box. So. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I spent all day uh, the Ukrainian squad and sort of phonetically breaking down uh, the names um, into some sort of structure. And I remember getting there down there around about an hour and a half to kick off and managed to get to their sort of English-speaking uh entity down at pitch side and went through it with him name by name and he just said no no to everyone that I tried to sort of (laughs) ham-fistedly pronounce Um, and he sort of went through it with me um, and then I went through it with the guy who was with Brazil and he just said just use their Christian names just use their first names that's what they're used to which helped (laughs) fantastically Um, but you do you do get the odd one when we had I remember when we had uh, Swan, I think it was Swansea, 
Um, was it Paolo Souza might have been manager at the time, and it was mm. his it was his sort of number two, and um, it was uh, Angel Rangel, and I said. I, th- I thought it can't be Angel Rangel. Can't pronounce it as Angel Rangel. So uh, I just said, could you help me with this pronunciation, please? And he said, it is Hankel Hanchel. And, and I said, I can't say that <laughs> because uh, it's just not a Derby way to say that. So I just said, Angel Rangel um, and managed to get away with it. And um, so, yeah, there's, there's been one or two that have sort of tripped me up over, over, uh, over a period of time. But, you know, I do try and prepare and, and make sure anything that I'm not quite sure of that um, I can sort of hopefully nail. Matt's McGibbon there in our latest Patreon special. And on the subject of those with familiar voices, our first Patreon exclusive this season was a chat with Sky Sports commentator Daniel Mann. He's been the voice attached to some huge derby moments on national TV over the last few years, such as the Leeds playoff win most games on Sky in the Lampard season and the Rowett season, a veteran, respected broadcaster who it was fascinating to speak to. So here he is telling us what it was like to be known for specific quotes and one of his most memorable pieces of Derby County commentary. I can only go by the ones I suppose that I'm I'm reminded of really. I mean I suppose we I'm sure we're going to come on to it but the the one game the, there are a couple of games at, at Leeds that always get talked about whenever I see guys from Derby or if I speak to Derby fans I mean there's the, there's a, clearly the playoff game uh, I also get reminded every so often and it's, this is not this is even more recent uh the Chris Martin equalizer at uh, at Ellen Road which was the it was the following season, wasn't it? Which was early after I'd had a bit of a hiatus. So that was a goal that was actually quite important to me because it, it meant to me that my voice still worked, <laughs> which uh, I was a bit worried about at the time. You do, and you've alluded to it there, you do get obviously people coming up to you quoting some of your most memorable lines of commentary and and there is a lot of praise for you for the work you do on on social media look do you get satisfaction from that do you consider that like that must be a nice part of the job i guess yeah absolutely i mean who who wouldn't it's it's nice to what you do is appreciated because i mean i've i've had those feelings myself i mean there are there are moments there are moments in football which are very difficult to separate from the commentary there's less of that now because there are very few games where there is a, a definitive commentary i mean i'll go back to brian moore a couple of examples you know it's up for grabs now liverpool arsenal in 1989 well there wasn't another television commentator working on that game in english so you know his was the definitive voice and what 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 a brilliant line it was you know the ronald koeman free kick for the dutch against england again another example of that you know you've got some some lines from kenneth wolstenholm john motson barry davis that are sort of echoed through the ages almost and while uh, i would i would never suggest that <laughs> that's what's happened here i know there 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 are fans at various clubs in the championship who the association with that big moment is my words and and yes it's a very nice feeling to 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 have that association i mean it's it's not my moment though at the end of the day it's it's what happened on the pitch that is the most important thing, um, but but it's it, and it's nice just just to have an have an association with those moments of history. 
if you remember, cast your mind back to when Martin slotted home at Ellen Road and you said uh, he'd come from out of the wilderness onto the score sheet. Um, what, was, was that just spur of the moment? Was that improv? It was just a, just a superb bit of like storytelling. It was, it was great. Yeah, that, I mean, at the end of the day, that's the job. Um, so yes, it was. I mean, I know there are there are commentators who you know are very prominent who do do prepare for scenarios. So they've got so they've got a button to press. And yeah, I'll, I'll, I think I'll say that. I mean, I've done that in the past when I was, uh, let's be honest, a bit less confident in what I was doing. But whenever I did do that, I always found that it didn't quite fit. I probably fly a little, do a bit of a sort of high wire act in a way, in that I write nothing, um, even even for an intro. Um, I just follow what's on the screen, which is what you should do, really. You should, the words should should fit the pictures you're seeing. But in that moment, that was, I mean, I could have, I could have probably said any number of things that would have been all right, but, but that's kind of what happened. <laughs> so so, so, so that, that, that sort of bell went off in my head. Well, he's come out of the wilderness and he's, he's gone on to the score sheet, hasn't he? We've also sat down on Patreon this season with a number of former players for our exclusive bonus podcast. Some real fun favourites too, arguably none more so than the guest we had on in November, the one and only Igor Stimak. I remember that my first game, of course, Tranmere, not the one I like to remember, but I cannot forget it. <laughs> That's the problem, you know. We lost we lost 5-1 at my debut. I scored that single goal, but didn't help the team much, you know, with, with that performance. And, and after that game, everything changed. Everything changed because Jim invited me in his office. We spoke about the game, about the problems, and I suggested to him to change to three at the back because we we had really strong team, you know, with with uh, Dini Aids at that time as a good centre back, Gary Rowett also a young boy who was there performing well. I, I felt that three of us could handle any front players in the league and all we needed is to put more bodies up front, more offensive fullbacks and more people in the middle. With Gabini, Paul Simpson, Sturridge up front, we could beat anyone. And that's exactly what happened. Everything everything went went well from, from that day, you know. So it was amazing four years. Amazing, unbelievable four years. Everything changed, you know, from from the plans that they had in the club, uh, Mr. Pickering and uh, Mr. Gadsby and Mr. Webb, mm. who were on the board, you know, they had the plan to to redo the West End at the old baseball ground. But as we started in winning the games and in two months only, we came from the 17th position to the first one, taking Sunderland from the first position on the Boxing Day, if I remember well, beating them 3-1 at the old baseball ground. That was amazing, you know. And then plans about the club future changed. They decided to build new stadium to buy the land. To Everything changed. Everything changed. And... And following years, we were just rising up, rising up, rising up, you know, and you could feel that that club was becoming huge. It was becoming enormous again. Now, in October, our Patreon guest was another terrific defensive servant to Derby County, none other than Curtis Davis, who gave us his insight on the art of being a centre-back for our bonus episode titled simply, How to Defend. Having played every minute of every game for Derby this season, 
aged 37. Curtis knows a thing or two about defending. And here he is talking about the strikers from his career who were hardest to play against. The, the hardest is playing against the person that doesn't stop working. And that's not necessarily, with all due respect, that's not necessarily always the best player. But if you play against someone that makes 10 runs to get in once, that's the hardest thing. Uh, whereas, you know, a lot of a lot of strikers get bored. They make one, they make two, and they're like, I'm not going again. Um, so it's easy for you as a, as a centre-half. But when um, when you've got strikers that are non-stop, like I, I can talk about like a Paul Dickoff, um, I've played against him, or, uh, a Kevin Doyle, a Shane Long, like those kind of strikers. But I even put, <laughs> I put Alexis Sanchez in that bracket. Now, I know that sounds ridiculous, but his strength was... He works hard, but he is a good player. And, you know, the fact that he can work as hard as, as a Kevin Doyle, as a Shane Long, but when he gets the ball, he's got an extra bit of quality to go past you. He's got skill. He's got pace. He's half decent in the air. He'll, he'll track you back to his own final third, but then turn and run you back the other way. He, he was a nightmare. You know, he's unplayable. Um, this, is, this is when he was at Arsenal, by the way, not, not Man U. Um, but yeah, but... <laughs> But yeah, but that, that's that's you know that's the kind of striker that the person that gives you the hardest time. It's not like I say it's not necessarily the person I've I've played against Michael Owen when he was at Newcastle. He did nothing in the game, scored two goals. So you feel like you've marked him out the game, but he found space twice and scored twice. But whereas some someone like you know Alexis Sanchez or, or I guess a Doyle, well Alexis Sanchez scored loads against us. But I mean, but Kevin Doyle or Shane Long might work their socks off, might not get a goal. But I come out of the game thinking, oh gosh, I don't want to play that again. You've been in a yeah, game, yeah. Exactly. And, yeah. That, and that's the difference, I think. And particularly at Premier League level, um, I think it's the punishment factor that, that makes those differences. When you play against someone that's worked you hard all game, but they've not scored, you've, you know you've had a, bad, a, a tough game, but you're like, thank God, yeah, they haven't scored. But when you've come out of a game and you feel quite good about your performance in general, but the person... Has scored two and they've had two shots. It's just that's that's the difference, you know. When you play good strikers, they only need one chance, and they take it. Now, Curtis Davis is, of course, just one of many Derby County employees who's been affected by the incredibly hard circumstances we're all going through this season. When the club went into administration in September, it meant severe cost cutting, which in turn meant that a number of extremely loyal staff who bleed black and white, had to say goodbye to their roles at the football club. One of those was Colin Gibson, Mr Derby County to many people, a broadcaster and more recently a Rams TV presenter who's seen it all at the club over his 30-year broadcasting career. In a candid, honest interview for our Patreon members in January, Colin gave us some fascinating insight into the behind-the-scenes goings-on at the club. And we also asked him, who is the best Rams manager to deal with during his long association with Derby County? And why Frank Lampard could sometimes be difficult. Gary Rowell. Gary Rowell was the best manager to deal with. It helped for me that I knew him when I was a player at Derby in the, that successful time in the mid 1990s under Jim um, and we'd all we always kept in touch and then he did some work with us at Radio Derby Gary and Darren Wassell sort of used to take it in turns to summarize for about two seasons I think it was 
Um, so when he came back to Derby as manager, um, for me, it was just a godsend. Somebody who was always available, always had something to say. And I might, I might annoy some fans here as well. I never quite understood this business about the football under Rao was boring. I just didn't get it because to me, we made the playoffs okay in the playoffs. I, well, the second leg of Fulham, I thought we were really poor. But the season, the season, the one full season under Gary Roward, I thought was great. I think it's the second most number of goals Derby have ever scored in a season coming after the McLaren one, which set all the records. Um, Vidra scoring all those goals. Hat-tricks at Middlesbrough, winning at Barnsley, winning at Birmingham. Yeah, so I'm digressing slightly. So Gary Rout was by far and away the easiest of those managed to deal with. You touched on the the post-match interviews there, and you did for a number of years when at the club as well. Um, I mean, when I, when I watched those, Colin, I'll be honest, I, I did feel for you some of the time because it seemed to me that there were often occasions when it's clear player or the manager in question just didn't want to be there. And and fair enough, whether it's after a bad performance or a bad result, or were there any particularly awkward or challenging post-match interviews that stick in your head from, from your time at the club? Mm, yeah. Um, Frank Lampard, I have to say, could be quite touchy post-match. Um, and then there is one that sticks out. Uh, we won at Manchester United in the League Cup. Great, great night. And on the Saturday, he played the same team at Bolton. I'm pretty sure that was it. He played the same starting eleven at Bolton. And we put in a miserable performance and lost 1-0. And Bolton were a poor start. And I'd heard his interviews. And I think he'd snapped at Chris Coles at Radio Derby, who deigned to ask sort of about team selection. So I thought, OK, I'll actually phrase my question a little bit differently. Because, again, it's a club interview rather than a BBC interview. So I said to him, rather than a question, I sort of just made it as a statement. And, of course, you had no no, no qualms, no issues about keeping with the same side that won at Manchester United. And he snapped because he thought I was having a go and that I was questioning his, um, his team selection. It was one of the things. He never seemed to like asking questions about team selection and I'm afraid that's one of the things that journalists do tend to ask about all the time. And last but not least in our Patreon best bits is our February bonus episode where we caught up with Derby's flying Dane, former Ram Morton Biscard, who spent three years at the club between 2004 and 2007 playing in two playoff sides. Morton told us why exactly Billy Davis managed to strike gold in his first season? Well, I, I think we, we uh, had good tra- training sessions, you know. Uh, obviously, we were many good players. There was competition for, um, for spots on, uh, in the first team. And, and he was just very thorough. Uh, you know, it was a long time ago, but um, he really spent a lot of time analysing both opponents and, um, and also our own performances i remember also uh, always the, like on the monday that we would sit and and watch 
clips from the match and he would explain uh, the good things and the bad things in a very good manner you know as he, I remember him saying no I'm not, we're not looking for scapegoats here we're just here to learn and so he pointed out uh, what to do do better next time and, and and things like that so and then he was a good motiv- motivator I think he was he was very we knew he was the boss we were never in doubt that he that he uh, was the one with the final decision, so uh, he could yell. I remember he also yelled at me a couple of times, and you never, you never forget that. But um, so I think uh, overall, you know, uh, he did a very good job, and um, I remember him saying that you know we we didn't have a lot of tactical work. You know, that, that's a big difference when when I came to England. You know, where in Italy you would work tactically. A lot on defensive patterns and defensive pressing patterns and offensive, um, how to build up from behind and uh, and also how to to finish attacks. There was not a lot of that, and I remember him coming to me and said, "You know, it's it's not the same in in England uh, uh, regarding that." So that was maybe the the, the big difference, but uh, the intensity was very high, and I think. He also was very good at creating a group. It was a little bit us against the world. I think he was very good a little bit like you sometimes feel Mourinho is doing, you know, to creating that we and all everybody outside this dressing room, they hate us. So we have to do it uh, by ourselves. And uh, I think, um, yeah, he's, he succeeded with, with a lot of what he did. So there you have it. We hope you've enjoyed this little glimpse into some of the extra content you can enjoy by signing up as an SBW patron. You can hear the full versions of all of those interviews, as I said, and more by joining up over at patreon.com forward slash Steve Bloomers Washing. Thanks again for your support.